Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. You know, when I have a large project in home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. But other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next 6 to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at PortableChurch.com. Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Ah, hell, did I think that crap? And you're listening to the Church Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Mitchell. And I'm Peyton Jones. Not He's not a host. He's just uh, Peyton Jones, just on the podcast for the fun of it. Yeah. And this is Lucky Episode 251. I went back and listened to 250. I liked that episode. Which one? 250? Dude, what are you doing? Why, why do we even start the podcast? You're clearly <laughs> like... Oh, uh, I just got an email over here, and this is more important than the podcast that we're recording. <laughs> hey, you do that, too. I, I do. i you many a time doing that. Let's be honest. But. I'm, you can do it. I'm a liar at it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, um, 251. Thank you. I, we've already well, moved we past that. A, this is 251. Yeah, this is 251. Yeah. Which episode did you say? You know what? I, you were in your own little world answering emails. I'm moving past that conversation. Okay. All right. Yeah. It, it's painful now. If you are joining us for the first time, <laughs> that's all I got to say to that. Uh, we we do a little something we like to call Smack Talk. This is where uh, Peyton and I get to catch up on the each other's week. And you get to be a part of that. And then we get into our church planning goodness. Today's topic is going to be what to do when your church planning partners leave you high and dry. You know, I still think you're using the mic on your uh, your headphones. Oh, really? I, you know, tap the uh, tap the mic. Hold on. Tap tap 
Yeah. See, yeah. we hear nothing. Are you serious? It's not working? <laughs> I'm oh, like, calm down. I'm like, ding, 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 I'm ding, like ding, wait ding, a second. Ding, he's ding, talking ding, into ding, a, ding. a nice looking mic there, but his voice sounds like he's using his Apple headset. Oh, hold on. Let me check. Are, are you going to make it velvety? Input. Input. Oh, yep. There we go. Okay. Now oh. try this. Oh, that, there you go. Oh, oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. Now you got some. Now definitely. Got some. Definitely better sound. Yeah. Hot date with Candy. Hot date with Pete. Yeah. Hey, oh, this is Lance pardon. Ford, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planting with the two greatest metrosexual hosts in church planting world that you'll ever meet. I'm Brian Broderson. You've been listening to Pete and Peyton, two guys that definitely need surf lessons. It's true. I need surf lessons. That's all I'm saying. Hey, man, I I live right next to the beach. I definitely need surf lessons. So uh, today's topic is what to do when your church planning partners leave you high and dry. Mm. Organized crime. <laughs> but first, we're going to have some smack talk. Yeah, so I don't want to take up smack talk like I did this last week, talking about going to the gun show. So, uh, Well, I mean, we shouldn't talk about the same thing. That would be boring. But i got to tell you, though, that's all I want to talk about because this whole week's been gun week for me. Guess where I'm going as soon as we get off the podcast? Are you serious? I'm going to the range. <laughs> It's like I used to make money back before I had <laughs> no, guns. No, you don't understand. I've been making more money since I've been going to the range because <laughs> I'm out of my my business. I let my peeps take care of everything, and I'm not there to screw it all up. So nice. I know I make more money by going to the gun range. Maybe that works with church planning. I, you know, I I actually do think that there is a bit of truth with that. Like, so I would go back to America every year when I was planning in Europe. And the first year they were all freaking out. They're like, Oh, you know, like we didn't know if we could do this or do that. And I'm like, okay, I've obviously not trained and empowered this team enough. So I don't know guys, like, like it's not my church. Just do whatever in the heck you want when I'm gone. You know, you're not going to break it next year. Boom. Right. And then when I started pulling out and this always happens when I pull out of a church, people really start getting activated even more so than when I was there. And my whole thing is activating other people, but I've learned after a while, like I just need to get out of the way. What yeah. are you reading? What are you looking at? I'm look- I caught you. See, see, I can see you. This I is what I'm you. looking at. I love you, man. I'm trying to find the right sound clip to go with what you're saying. I'm actually uh, working that, on the podcast. That's, that's what I was doing. Yeah, too. sure. It um, was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so uh so tell uh-oh. me what's been going uh-oh. on. Lying. What's been going on in your life since uh since Monday, which is when we recorded our last podcast? Well, I'm getting old. That's for sure. Why do you say that? Because I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting things. I think we've talked about that. Good so, call. Uh good call. Plus plus there's an old guy in the gym when I'm working out like he's there every day and it's like he gives me the hey, like good to see you, other old guy. You know, kind of like. So is this you know, like is this like Volkswagen owners? Yeah. You know, where you got to wave yeah, I, to each other on the freeway. I was going there. It's just like that. It's exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like we have this thing now. Like hey, we're the two old guys in here trying to reverse time. Rad. <laughs> so uh, so since apparently you don't have anything to share in Smack Talk, I, I'm I'm. I'm taking over smack. But you can't talk about guns today. Dude, I have gone full gun nut. That's all. I, I've gone full gun nut. I, I talked to Dan Sams yesterday, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm full gun nut now. I, I literally, yesterday, I bought the most manly thing an American man can buy. A barbecue? I bought a do-it-yourself gun kit so you can build your own gun. Wow. It's called an 80%. Do you mean like like a Lego or do you mean like you, you like smelt down ore and like. I mean like in America, it is 100% legal for you to build your own gun and it is unregistered, unserial numbered, un-everything. Totally legal if you do it yourself. I still think we need to have ninja school. 
we need to open a ninja school. Yeah, get off your ninja school. We're sticking against. No, dude. So ninja school is a way better time. I bought the kit, man. They do. It's called an 80 percenter because the way the ATF looks at it is it's either a gun or it's not a gun. It's either a gun or it's a paperweight. And so they classify these as paperweights until you finish it. So I bought, we were, I bought, you and I were talking about this yesterday that, that really it would be so cool if it was like Judge Dredd where you had the, oh, uh, where you could talk to the, the gun. smart gun. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, before the call, Pete goes, Alexa, turn my office lights on. And I was pretty amazed. I was like, dude, like she's, she's working your house. Obviously I live in the stone ages. You know, my house is built in the fifties. But and, I told you the uh, reason not, why I have that in my office. It's cause the way my lights are done in here, it's ridiculous. It's the only room that Alexa controls. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. I, I had a bunch of lights on my bookshelves that illuminated each one. And I had like 15 bookshelves in my old office. So I had to go and Ooh. like flick, 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 flick. So those lights never went on and never created that. If I could just walk in and be like, Alexa, turn on my lights. Boom. Yeah. You're red. Yeah. But, um, but I, I did, you know, I did want to, uh, to say that, you know, Judge Dredd, man, he had the lawgiver. Yeah. Right. Did. That was the name of his, his gun and he would talk to it. He'd be like, Hey, shoot, shoot rockets at those people. Hey, stun that person or hey, blow that person away. Dude, I and, loved it when, uh, USA Today, after that, uh, the shooting in Texas at the, the Texas church, you know, USA Today said, you know, uh, this is what the gunman's gun looked like. And then it said, like, it, they'd had a pre-done video made that somebody, like, totally, somebody got USA Today. Like, they, they, they gave them false information. It was, it was, to gun people, it was hilarious. So the, uh, because Dan Sams is the one who shared it. And he's like, I want to do this so bad. <laughs> Dan Sams is the guy who's in the uh, Platinum Bible Winter Circle. And he is our resident gun nut. So, um. They're like, you know, here's an AR-15 with all the possible attachments. I kid you not, one of the possible attachments that they said you could put on an AR-15, you know how you could have like a bayonet yeah, on the, the military version? You can't have it on the civilian version. They said you could have a chainsaw. <laughs> what? <laughs> they had a video no, with we'll, we'll an AR-15 with a chainsaw underneath it. You know you're gonna get that. Well, Dan, Dan Sam's like, I want to make that because it's not real. But like, someone got USA Today, and then they had to like put all these disclaimers. We're not saying <laughs> they literally. This is true. We're not saying the gunman had a chainsaw underneath his AR-15. That's rad. And it was like, That's you rad. guys are idiots, man. There's no well, chainsaw attachment for your AR-15. So, so here's the thing, right? Like, and and this is where I was going with the lawgiver. Because there is no easy answer, you know, with with the Second Amendment. There's no easy answer. It, it if you tell people we're going to modify it for everyone's safety, then everyone freaks out because they go, "Here, here comes government taking away your guns," which was, you know, on and on. Everyone knows the arguments on both sides, and you know, but like the lawgiver, like we have smart everything. Why not a smart gun? Why not a gun? That is encoded your fingerprint, just like my phone is now. And so no one but me, like my kid, if I own guns, can't get into my gun collection and take it and go blow his friends away. Number two, it, it would be rad if the gun could, um, if there was something in guns where they could profile that kids never get shot, that there's like a, uh, you know, like a profiler, kind of like the but Terminator. What if the kid I know has I'm going sci-fi now. What if but... the kid has a gun and he's pointing it at you? Well, we talked about that. There has to be a fail-safe in case all children suddenly turn evil, but you still can't shoot kids. Like, that's that's just a no-go area, Pete. You can't even go there. All children may turn evil one day. You can test that all children already are evil. You know what's funny is I was actually uh, watching a documentary yesterday on the uh... – uh, SAS, the, uh, the British secret air service. Is that what it's called? Secret air service? Secret. Is it secret or you're, I don't in, know. you're in Britain? Come on, man. What's oh, the, uh, SAS. Yeah. What's the SAS stand uh, um, for? Special, no, special air service. There you go. Not secret. Yeah. special air service. Yeah. So, um, it's a great, uh, series on Amazon prime and, uh, and me being in, in full gun nut mode, I wanted to, to watch it all. 
And it was really interesting watching these guys who've gone into a lot of battles, right? I mean, a lot. And this one guy brought up the whole kid thing. Because, you know, they're fighting in, um, well, I, I can't remember. Where were they doing that? The one that they were profiling, I think, was uh, Mogadishu or something like that. Um, I, it was, I don't know, something like that. But he was just like, look, dude, age and gender has nothing to do with it. You got a gun and it's pointing at me. I'm taking you out because you're, you're, you're a combatant. And I was like, man, no wonder these guys are hurting so bad when they come back because, you know, you just can't get that stuff out of your head of what you have to do. (laughs) Now I realize it was, you know, your friends could die if you don't take care of stuff, but man, that's just, it's gotta be rough. rough. You know who you remind me of right now is Walter on uh, the big Lebowski. Why? You know, his, you know his buddy that that has the like the fishing vest and the and the big orange sunglasses. No, it's John Goodman's character. Okay, that's all you had to do was say John Goodman's character. Because <laughs> he was he was he was nom crazy, dude. He was like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I see you remind me. I'm gonna start calling you Walter whenever you talk about your guns, dude. I'm telling you, I've gone, I've gone. Full hey, gun it was a nice rug man it really tied the room together <laughs> that's like the only line i've ever heard from you on that movie it must be your favorite line of all time well it, it is it's the one that he repeats and then, but and then you're like quoted that and then that's you're a like an easter egg in church zero yeah, by that's the way. you're like yeah no one in church zero knows that line i did i pulled one over on everybody i'm like dude i know what that's from it's the big lebowski come on well Okay, so people that like movies get it. And I've had a few people go, hey, you know, like, oh, dude, I caught that. That was rad. Most people, they don't. But I did put on there about team leadership. I put the quote where he goes, hey, remember the, uh, I can't remember what, like the Berkeley Six or whatever. He goes, that was me and five other guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a great line. That is. Yeah, so, dude, I'm telling you, I'm going to be the most manly man ever. When these uh, when these eighty percenters come in, and I, I end up making my own guns, I'm I'm gonna go from like no gun person to I got an arsenal. I was looking at gun safes yesterday. Gun wow. safes. I already got one, and it's almost full. Wow. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, okay, okay. So I got a I got a question. Since you know, we we haven't talked. I I keep noticing like we haven't talked about pop culture in forever. Like we haven't talked oh. about like TV. We used to talk about TV shows. We talk about Star Wars, but we haven't talked mm, days about days away like, from that one, baby. Days away. I know. So Walking Dead. We yeah. haven't talked about Walking Dead in forever. Have you been watching this season? Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's that great. Oh, dude, I've loved it. It's been my favorite one yet. Are you serious? Oh yeah. You know, but I know most people don't don't like it. And they're doing this weird artsy fartsy garbage what are you right now about they're like, yeah, they're doing up. all these weird, like out of sequence and like the writing and the lines have been so dumb this last week. I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we're like, come on. Some of the lines have been so dumb. Some of the action's cool. Like that. They're taking it to Negan. That's great. Dude, but that's all that oh, matters. Dude, writing. Writing has been terrible. I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say to that. Cause I don't really pay attention to what they're saying. I pay attention to the zombies. And the guns. Let's be honest. Well, I, do, I am checking them all out. By the way, if you're new to this podcast, we don't talk about guns a lot. This is new. This is this is Pete's new Tom Vu collection, so we're going to talk about it. But from going forward, just know every episode will include the Gun Minute with Pete Mitchell. Yeah, we should probably limit it to a minute. <laughs> I'm just saying. For those of us that aren't into guns... It's pretty boring. If you're not into guns, it's because you haven't gone to the gun range. And all church planners, if you come to Southern California, I am taking you to the range. If it, it's 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 like you're the gun Calvinist now. No offense to Calvinists, right? I, I I come from a reformed background, but it's like when when an Arminian meets a Calvinist, and the Calvinist is super into Calvinism, and you're like, oh, I I don't believe in Calvinism. The next hour and a half. <laughs> it's gonna be him telling you why you should believe in Calvinism. Like that's and and that conversation can play out a million different times, a million different days, and it never gets old to the Calvinist. What's Arminian's funny is like stop, shoot funny, me now, Pete. Funny, come over here with your gun. What's funny is this is how I'm I'm making friends. 
Like, I, know, I, I kid I'm you so not. I'm so jealous. Like I said last week, I'm jealous. I used to be – now Now I'm like left out, man. So you got your new I have invited friends. you to go to the range since day one. I'm like, dude, come to the range with me. And then you come up with some excuse. You and all your foosball friends. <laughs> but, but, but mama, mama, I like the guns. I'm just uh, – look, when the zombie apocalypse happens, you know who's safe and who's not. You don't go run into Peyton in the zombie apocalypse. You come run into Pete. That's all I'm saying. Hey, hey, you've never seen me with a baseball bat. That's all I'm saying. You know, I got to tell you, I love Lucille. <laughs> I think I told you I saw a dude driving down the freeway with Lucille on his handlebars, right? What do you mean? Like he was he was dressed like Negan. No. Riding a, a big old fat boy. Yeah. And he had a uh, he had a it must have been a, a rubber Lucille or something across his handlebars. Are you? That is so cool. Yeah, I was heading into L.A. Of course, right? <laughs> Look, if you're heading into L.A., you need Lucille just because you're heading into L.A. I mean, especially if you're heading into L.A. on a motorcycle. Dude, you know how crazy the the city? It's either the city or the county of L.A.'s laws are. Like, you almost can't even have a pocket knife. Like they like knives specifically in L.A. are it, the law is different there than it is in the rest of the state. <laughs> like that's how. Just absurd they are. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. What happened to your mic, man? Now I can barely hear you. Hello? Oh, there you see. You got to oh. actually talk into it. Yeah, I got to see. I, I eased back just then. You did. This coaxial arm is ridiculously stupid. Do you you kind of miss your setup in your office, don't you? I do, man. Yeah. I do. But they're doing a bunch of work there, so I'm not, I'm not going to be working from my office right now. Man, I'm telling you, this is like the longest remodel ever. When's it supposed to be done? Well, they they they've been going in phases, man. That's that's the problem. No, I understand. It's a big job what they're doing, but what's the ETA? We hope that we'll be done with the next phase into February. Oh my gosh! Yeah. When do you get to move back in? February. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's the reason, yeah. You know, you, should well, do? you figure we're kind of gutting the house and you rewiring. Just, you should just turn around and sell the house. And like, dude, take all the money that you're going to make us profit from. Do you this know how much move. money I'd make if I turn around? Oh my god, I, that's why I'm sitting here going, <laughs> you, the, the, I'd be richer than Pete. The, the horror monger in me is going, you know, I just sell the house, just sell the house and move, just run. <laughs> I'd be yeah, then I then I couldn't talk to church planners with any any degree of respect. No, you could because here's the deal, like. Jamie and I, one of the TV shows, you want to talk about pop culture, one of the TV shows that we watch religiously, that I don't know that you've seen it, it's called The Prophet. You ever seen that? Oh, I love that show. Oh, okay, okay. Andrea, Andrea can't stand it, what? so she won't watch it with me, but that, to I me, that is Shark way Tank. better than Shark Tank. I thought she liked it. I, I love mean, that show. Yeah, it's like Shark Tank. I mean, it's... No, she doesn't like it. Why? I don't know. Oh, yeah, man. The Prophet's read Marcus... Uh, what's his name? Lamonis. Yeah. So did you? Well, you don't have live TV, so you got to watch it on like. Apple yeah, TV or I got to either buy it on whatever, wait for it on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so last night's episode, Marcus invests in this company that makes uh, those tiny houses. You know, where it's like on a trailer and stuff. And and I'm like looking at Jamie, and I go, "Look, what if we just buy a piece of land out in like Waco, Texas?" And let's get a tiny house, take it out there, and boom, we're set. D- don't just get a tiny house. Get one for each of you. <laughs> what if I told her that? It's a tiny house for each of us. That might yes. be the trick. Yeah. That might one be the trick. One for you, one for Jamie, and you guys can just go away from each other. And you're like, I've had enough. Look, we could like set the doors up so it's our own little compound, you know, where everyone like comes into the courtyard to hang out. Yeah, and talk. there could be like a central courtyard, outdoor uh, TV, barbecue. I so like that. Put a little jacuzzi that meets in the middle. I'm telling you, drop in the jacuzzi. Hey, look, in Waco, Texas, apparently it's so hot you need something. So no kidding, right? I don't know. I've never been there, but uh, it, the, just go to the creek in Texas, man. The and just go hang out in the creek. I don't know what a creek is, so it's a creek. But I've had a crick in my neck creek. before. I've I've had those when I wake up every once in a while. <laughs> so my uncle, I think I've talked about my uncle in Alabama. He's uh, as redneck as they come. Did you say Bama? Yeah. My uncle yeah, in Bama. 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 <laughs> and uh, he uh, he he literally like I have to interpret from my wife sometimes. Nice. Like, yeah, he'd be like because uh, he doesn't have teeth and he chews and spits. He has guns 
in uh he has gun racks in the back of his truck um you know chevy of course and uh fishing poles in there and he eats he kills cooks and eats squirrel and uh i mean he's the real deal so he has a trout line that he puts in the in the creek and uh, he's like you know when he talks it's rad sounds like an auctioner and my wife will look at me like what did he just say uh, last, last time that, that we had been there, he, he walked in the room, he sees Andrew, he loves Andrew and he's like, I'm gonna go down and do my thing. You guys go down, you do, you do your thing. <laughs> I said, he said, <laughs> I'm going to go do my thing. You guys go do your thing. And she goes, Oh, okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> he was just telling us to make ourselves at home. And he's like, I'm gonna go down and check, check the, the trot in the creek line, you know, the trot line in the creek, you know, and, and it's it's funny, dude. It's like something out of a TV show. But that's my family. That's hilarious, there. man. See, I'm telling you, I think most of the guys who are in Bivo Winter Circle, which you can find all about at BivoWinterCircle.com, cha-ching, I think most of where those guys are located, I should be living. Like, I okay. need to be within a five-mile radius of Dan Sams because he's a gun nut. Yeah. But even Wyman, who's in, uh, is it Louisiana? Is that where Wyman's at? I think yeah. it's Louisiana. I'm like, dude, come on. It's the South. I need to be there. A. David yeah. living oh, in dude, South Carolina. Oh, dude, but you'd Carolina. be so miserable in the South. Just going from your house to the car, you're sweating like a pig. Yeah, but you know what? There's no people. There's no people. There's a lot of people in the South, surprisingly. No, no. no. Not like Southern California, dude. Not no, even you close. You need to go to the Midwest where it's cold and. You know. I'm just saying, I would, I do. I need to go. I need to go where Scott Blair lives. I need to go where uh, Aaron Bump lives. I need to go where uh, A. David lives. Jay I need Lee, to go man. where Jay Tyrone. Lee's in isn't he in Canada? It's cold up there. That's where you should be. <sighs> yeah, but they don't let you have guns up there the way you do down here. So no, <laughs> no, Canada's out. Sorry, Jay. Canada's out. <laughs> I'll let JB chooses where he'll live. I'll let J JB our uh, our missionary to Canada, even though that's where he's from. Jay was hilarious. I don't know if you remember this man. We we interviewed him, or I interviewed him on the podcast. The accidental evangelist, I think, was the episode. And um, Jay's Korean, and he he says this line, man. He goes, "Do you know why there's Koreans in every country?" Because there's a corner, and wherever there's a corner, the Korean has the corner store. And I was just like dying. I'm like, I don't even know what to say to that, bro, because you can't get away with that as a white guy saying that. But that is rad. There are a lot of Koreans in Canada. Almost every Korean that I'm I'm meeting right now is from Canada. It's kind of rad. Really? Or the northern, yeah. I, I I don't know what the history is of of immigration to Canada, but it's there was a lot of Koreans in um, Wales too. Because of the, the uh, yeah, I there was not. Know. I had a Korean church in one of my churches that actually met. Um, there's five pastors doing their PhD because I was in the university town that had the oldest university outside of Oxford and Cambridge. It was called Trinity St. David's. Nobody knows about it, but it, it was the third oldest university there. And uh, it, um, it, it would get tons of people because as, as you probably know, um, Lloyd Jones is a Presbyterian or, or a Welsh oh, Calvinist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Methodist. I knew that. You, yeah, of course. I probably said it a million times, but also the guy who took the gospel to Korea was Welsh. It was a guy named Robert Germain Thomas. Really? And, uh, yeah. So he's a Welshman. So there's a huge connection between Wales and Korea. For the hey, gospel. I, I do have a, uh, a, a question for you when it comes to laws in the UK. So are there like, Laws for all of the UK, or does each individual country have its own laws? Both. It's kind of like the you know, like America with the states and stuff. But then there's also regulations that, um, at least before, and I don't, I, I actually don't know how it works now. But the EU oh, used right, to yeah. be able to come in and overstep the government and say you have to do this if you want to re- remain within the EU. So classic case of <laughs> well, that. They was, showed them. <laughs> Yeah, if they did, really. I mean, as an American, that was crazy to me that a group of of other sovereign nations could group together and tell your country what to do. Yeah. I could not get my head around that as an American. And and what happened was um, just – I think it was right before we got there. These two night flights. So uh, Heathrow Airport's the busy used to be – I think it still is – busiest airport in the world. Mm. So um, 
they used to do night flights all the time because you're you're shipping people all around the world. So night flights weren't an issue, except for the people who live close to the airport. And so they complained. The government said, tough is the busiest airport in the world. It's one of our chief sources for our economy. And they bypassed and they appealed. These residents appealed to the EU. The EU came in and said, no more night flights. Boom, done. Really? Yep. Yeah. Living Crazy, near Long Beach huh? Airport, that's kind of like, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. The, even even to the point where on um, uh, produce, uh, there were EU regulations about how big things like the potatoes and the tomatoes that you took the market could be. Yeah, as an American, I could not deal with that. I would be like, yeah. look, we about ready to, we about ready to scrap now, EU. Because yeah, they share an economy. Yeah. So all those economic considerations it was all shared shared decisions crazy and what was good for one country wasn't always good for another i could see that and that's where you know you that's where britain was like hey this is ludicrous we gotta and most people by the way um did not agree with being in the eu let's put it this way um or sorry most people were not for staying within um there was it was tight but when you – I was over there when the vote happened and you would have thought watching the media that the Brexit was the most ludicrous, only idiots thought that and it turned out to be half the population or more than half the population. What I thought was hilarious is after all of that happened, uh, July 4th of this year, someone put a sign on their, their store and said, we'll be closed on July 4th for observation of Brexit 1776. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Dude, I was dying when I saw that. Like that's yeah, awesome. I did a couple of years in a row. I threw Fourth of July parties and um, in- realized at a certain point this was a really bad idea because people were like, "So what is Fourth of July?" <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, that's um, when this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> what is their view on America? Like, not the government, but like the people's view. Are they just like, what do they think of America? They think we're idiots. Well, complete and utter. Let's be fair. We are. We got well, gun nuts like me. News. And they're like, oh, my gosh, what are they up to now? What are they saying now? Oh, my gosh, Americans are so idiot, you know. Well, you know, you really can't argue that when you consider that I never thought we could have a worse president than Obama. Yeah, oh, they think it's hilarious. They grab Donald Trump, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude. So with the recount back when Bush and Gore were running against each other and the recount happened, they thought that was the most hilarious thing in the world. Really? Why was that funny? To them, they were just like, can't you guys get your stuff together, man? What's wrong with you people? Like, they just thought we were comical. Like, we were a bunch of morons. Like, you guys couldn't even run an election. Oh, no. What they mean is neither side could properly steal the election because they both (laughs) tried to steal. One was just better at it than the other. Yeah, they just just think it's funny. You know, they're, they're conservative in most things. You know, they're conservative in government, conservative in business. See, I, mean, I always for- thought I, my ideal would be like, I moved to Ireland where my people are. Yeah. Ginger. Yeah. But, uh, but now, now that I'm a gun nut, I don't know. Cause I don't know what the laws of guns are in Ireland. I assume it's like England, but I don't know that cause I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I mean, they just, they just look at us and, they, we're we're the entertainment. We're like the court jester for the rest of the world, you know. And it is like you got to admit, like America has become like Jerry Springer show when it comes to politics. What All politics? Drama. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely a bunch of drama, and they just they just grab the popcorn, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should actually probably get into our uh, our topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. So uh, before we do that, I know uh, you got a little a uh, little something something. Yeah, so you know, you can you can actually go into uh a community center for your church plant, you can go into a school, you can do all the usual, or you can do something totally unusual but go where the traffic is. And that is thanks to a partnership by Regal Cinemas. And um you can go to corporateboxoffice.com forward slash uh uh theater. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> T H E A T R E dash church. Again, that's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash uh, theater, T H E A T R E 
dash church. And what they will do, they've got a staff of church, former church planners who will help you engineer how to meet Sunday mornings in a, in a movie theater where people are already going to be trafficking and they'll work you a deal. So head on over there. I'm not going to say it again. Head on over there and they'll sort you out. That's Regal Cinemas and that is their church planner program. Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right, Mr. Jones. Alrighty then. This is where so, I get to shut up now and read a book. No, please talk. And I'll be back please in a half talk. hour. <laughs> please talk. So here's here's the deal. Um, this happens. I I wish it didn't happen as often as it does, but it happens frequently. It. <laughs> Pete, do you have a concern? <laughs> You know, part of the time I think that this podcast should be video, so that way people can actually see what we're doing to each other. Like well, when, well, during during the recording of our ad earlier, you know, you were what were you? Doing? Oh, you I, were doing your glasses. We are both trying to make each other laugh when, like, <laughs> we're playing a recording of an ad. It's it's hilarious. I was pretending to drink water because obviously it's my voice, and I was trying to pretend to be a ventriloquist. Oh, is that what you were doing? I was like, why is he holding this glass right there? I don't get it. <laughs> so, uh, and Pete kept doing his talk with his glasses. Pete uses his glasses now to make himself look smart, which because, is pretty fun. Because if you listen to the podcast, you know that, uh, it turns out I don't have ocular cancer. According to my eye doctor, I'm just getting old. <laughs> he was ready to like, you know, I had signed, I had done my will, everything, man. That WebMD said I had about 24 hours to live, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, the the eye doctor Pete said. No, so next time he introduced yourself on the podcast, and you go, "I'm Pete Mitchell, back from the dead." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could actually use that. You know how my buddy uh, has had stage four cancer like four times, and at one point he was given like two days to live, and he's lived like five or six years since then. I could do that same thing. Hey, I was supposed to be dead in 24 hours, at least according to WebMD, but I survived. <laughs> That's rad. That's rad. <coughs> Sorry, this well, isn't Smack Talk. Go, go ahead. Smack Talk, Smack Talk. Done. Okay, church planner. It, here's the thing. Um, so you're ready to plan a church and you got your core team. Or actually, you don't even have your core team. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What we're really talking about here is your partners. And, 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 a, and a church planning partner would be someone like what a Barnabas was to a Paul or John Mark was to Paul and Barnabas. It, it's, it's the three amigos. It's the, it's the group that you really count on. It's the people that you're going to be church planting with before you even join, you know, gather your core team. And all too often what happens is people actually leave. Um, you know, it, I'll get calls from church planters that'll be like, you know, I, I had a guy in tears this week just saying, you know, this guy counted on him. You know, it's it was mm. three of us and we were going to be planting together. And now um, he's taken off and it it hurts. I mean, you know, when when the people that you're going to plant with uh, and you've kind of you've started this thing, um, you know, we talked about what to look for in someone that you're going to church plant, what conversations you need to have last week. But what about when you get through all of that and then the person just a few months in goes, eh, you know, maybe they don't tell you. They just stop coming to stuff and they're not really returning your calls or um, they just one day say to you, hey, this I'm ironically, leaving. I remember that happening to uh, Josh Boyd in uh, Nevada. You know, he yeah. literally moved him and his family from Indiana to Nevada to be part of this guy's church plant. He gets out there, and the church planner goes, oh, I just got offered this pastorate job at this church over here. I'm not planting anymore. It's like, yeah. dude, I moved across the country, and yeah. now I'm on my own. What's up? So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen it happen so many times. Um, I don't want to name names, but uh, some of the names that, that we might throw out there on the podcast um, – Trying to think if it happened to me. It did happen to me actually the night before my launch. Um, yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the I guy was, who was supposed adamant. to take over for you. Yeah, yeah, like the whole reason I was planning um, at that time was he was taking it because I had quit. You know, I was done with ministry. 
didn't want to do anything. And so I was like, buddy, you, you got to take this thing. I'll, I'll track with you for what, six months, a year. And then I'm heading back to America. And, uh, it turns out uh five years later, um, then I'm leaving. But that was a, you know, multiple church plants, uh, sent out from that church. And, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be there. And the night before our launch, talk about getting sucker punched, man. And, and, and it was cool. Like he and I worked together. We were window cleaners and that was fine. You know, it was like, I told him, Hey man, I support you in this. Um, it didn't hurt personally. I didn't feel betrayed or rejected. I did feel kind of, well, that, that's kind of screwed me over a bit, you know? Um, but he said, Hey, I'll, look, I'll be here for the first few months. Like I'll help team teach. I'll do this. I'll, and he did. He kept his word, but really his issue was that he needed to look after his wife. Mm. Um, sometimes you, you find people like I had a church planner where he moved from the southern part of the states, uh, the southwest up to the Pacific Northwest. And he had a guy with him who just said, Hey man, I'm homesick. I don't like it here. I'm going boom back. He went and, um, and it, it has a real demoralizing effect on you as a planter and on those that you're planting with, particularly when, when everything's kind of new and young. Um, but th- there is, you know, like I said, it, it, it can hurt. Like Paul took it really personally. In the New Testament. I mean, he was mad. <laughs> he was like, you know, we, we don't know. Um, we don't know if Paul. Uh, we don't really have his reaction. But what I can say is Paul obviously was super disappointed in John Mark when John Mark turned back um, because he would not take them, take John Mark back to, to the extent that he was willing to lose his number one partner, Barnabas, he was willing, like, look, if John Mark comes, I don't go because I'm not, I'm not going to set myself up for that kind of disappointment again. That obviously needled Paul or really was a, 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 a kick in the teeth. What are you looking at? <laughs> See, I'm going to call you. I'm on not that. doing Why anything. Do, we even do this? The difference between you and me is I'm actually paying attention to you. No, you you looked up you looked up right then like a schoolboy caught by the teacher. No, Mitchell, I looked up because I'm like, dude, that? why is he stopping right in the middle? I this is now I what done. I'm looking at. I was done. I was actually what? pausing. For you, but I... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So I mean. You know, I don't know, Pete, have you ever experienced this with uh, business nope. or anyone that you've uh, nope. done a start with? Nope. They do not you quit on me. Uh, you're like, get out of here. I usually want to get rid of them. and not They won't leave voluntarily. No, I'm serious. That- like, because it's about money, right? Like, they know how much money they're going to make by working with me. And that's why it's, sometimes it's like when it's a bad. That's why last week when we talked about bad partnerships, I'm like, yeah, I learned my lesson. Yeah. I learned my lesson on working with them because they won't quit when they see how much money I'm going to make them. Yeah. 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 You know, and I think, I think Paul, I can imagine that from that moment on, this is how you learn. You know, I, I could imagine that Paul probably had really serious talks because after that he grabs Silas, right? And you can imagine him saying to Silas, now look, don't start this. Don't start this. If you're just going to go running home crying for your mama. You know, like, are you in or are you out? And he was like, I'm in. And, you know, Paul, Paul heads off. He's like, but you're not going to, you're not going to leave when things get harder, right? Kind of like Star Wars, you know, you, you jettison your cargo at the first sign of an imperial cruiser. That's what people do, right? You can tell I just watched New Hope with Liberty this week in anticipation of, uh, the new movie coming out. What, what movie would that be? Star Wars. What? Oh, you mean uh, Last Jedi? Hey, you know, um, I know this is uh, back to Smack Talk, but I saw uh, Rob at the, the movie theater. Um, yeah. Boyd, is that his last name? Yeah, Rob, Rob Boyd. Boyd, yeah. And I'm like, I was standing right behind him in the popcorn line. I'm like, Rob. 
Rob. <laughs> like, you know how, like, when you're, you're like, I think I hear someone calling my name, but I'm not 100% and you're afraid to, like, turn around? So I'm just, Rob. That's right. What day was that? Sunday. My day I go That's to the funny. movies. He just joined Newbury Church Planning, funny enough. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to get to Peyton, <laughs> Peyton to go with me to see the new Star Wars. But this time we're going to a better theater. <laughs> I know. I was, he was like, you want me to get tickets? I'm like, no. <laughs> it was a really dangerous neighborhood we saw that movie in. Uh, so anyway, sorry. Back, to, but, but he's a church planner. <laughs> so yeah. back, back to your, uh, back yeah. to your little, your rant. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, the, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Paul, Paul obviously gave him the tough guy talk, you know, which, which if, if you remember back in the beginning days of Refuge Long Beach when we were building our core team, I gave that tough guy talk to our core team because look, here's the thing. It hurts and it sucks, but it's better to lose them early on. Right before things get too advanced, like I said, the the night before your launch is not a good night to get that news. Um, but I'm used to that. I'm used to things going wrong right before my launch. No matter how much you plan, no matter how much you, things go wrong, but people are the most, um, really the most unpredictable factor in church planning. They're very fickle. I love what Wesley said, where he said the only thing you can hope uh, from people is to be disappointed. Yep. Best thing you can hope from people is to be disappointed. They will disappoint you. And it's okay. You know, the, the reality is that you weren't dependent on them anyways. And I think that's what Paul kind of probably realized. In fact, he, I would imagine that Paul becomes a guy that's sending people out all the time, um, in future. So, um, when we look at, you know, I had a, a another call this week where a guy um, – because, you know, you can look at the reasons why people um, bail on you. And like, for example, what we just talked about, it's hard. I think at a certain stage, people get to the point where if things don't blow up suddenly like they did for Mark Driscoll back in the day, you know, the golden days of church planning, or it's not an overnight success, people realize this is going to be hard work. And I don't want to put in the time for all this hard work. So I'm, I'm out of here. I'm taking off. So that is one of the reasons. The other reason I, I think is that you got your timing wrong or, or mm. the way that you're trying to cultivate that partnership is wrong. So it could be that what you do, um, like I've watched guys try to build a core team. They immediately go and rent a hall and I'm like, no, 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 that's going to fail. And everybody says, no, 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 it, no, it's good. We got 20 people. And I'm like, it's going to fall apart. Get in a home. Knock that off. Build relationships. You can't run church services while you're developing your core team. Sorry. Right? That, that's, that's rule number one. But what you're meant to be doing during that time is building relationships, building friendships with those people, um, investing in them, coaching them. Asking them, what's God saying to you? Focusing on their development and growth. And if you're not doing that, um, then you're going to lose them. People, a lot of times, when they know that you're pouring into them and investing into them, um, they're like, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's pouring. I've never had someone pour into me and invest in me like this. So I'm here for this. People will stick around for that. The other reason is they might be bored. Um, uh, so, uh, like I said, on another call this week, someone asked me, what, um, Peyton, what, how, how do you find, like, and this was the core team, uh, recruiting question, but it applies to your partners as well. Cause your, your partners in your core team aren't the same, right? A- again, this, this wouldn't be your core team. These would be your partners. The same principle. He said, how do I find the committed people? You know, cause a lot of people just aren't committed. And he was a pastor of an established church. And I said, well, I got a, I got a funny theory about that. People that are bored, um, or people that aren't committed are bored. In other words, they're not excited. The reason they're not committed is because you haven't excited them. So let's, let's look at your gun, your gun thing right now. Well, no, let's, oh. let, let, let me actually, let me give a personal experience about that. I hated church pretty much my whole life because I grew up in yeah. it. Right. And we had to be there. Dad being a pastor, we had to be there for every event. Early, stay late, no kids, I'm bored. I hated church. When I finally got to college, even though I went to a Christian university, 
never went to church. I mean, maybe four times in, well, five years <laughs> that I was actively in, in college. I, I probably went to church. <clears throat> Going to uh, any mega church that Jamie and I went to when we were first married, I would look for any excuse not to go. She had an ice skating thing and couldn't go. Sweet, man. That means I don't have to go. Um, if I would show up and it's too packed, right, because it's a mega church, there's nowhere to sit, I'm out, dude. I'm just driving home. I don't care. Never, never liked church until we got to church planning. All of a sudden, Refuge Long Beach, dude, I'm like, this is fun. Because mm. it came back to, one, you never knew what was going to happen every week. You yeah. know, is a pit bull going to show up and bite someone else? <laughs> is another knife fight going to break out in the middle of service? Is, is, is the gangbanger going to, like, take the stage and grab the mic uninvited and talk about, you know, how God talked to him right. in prison? Remember that guy? I, I don't think it was in prison, right? Wasn't it like he was walking down the street? Well, then then I came up. God put on my heart because everyone knows guy. I'm a little wacky, charismatic sometimes. And I, I go up to him and say, hey, uh, man, I don't know you. And, like, he was like, why are you approaching my car? So I had my hands up like, hey, man, like I kept a healthy distance. I'm like, hey, I don't know you. This is going to sound weird, but God told me to come over and tell you he loves you and he's thinking about you. And he looks at me. And this is, I mean, dude's got like cornrows and metal teeth and stuff. And he had just gotten out of prison like a couple days before that. And he goes, how did you know that? And I go, what? He goes, how did you you know I was thinking about God? And I go, "I, I didn't know. I go, but God knew. And I go, look, man, look, I'm nobody, but um, there's a church here. I'm one of the guys that leads it. And uh, just want to let you know, man, I don't know what you're going through. We're here for you. And he, he didn't really want to talk right then. He just goes, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm waiting for someone right now. But he goes, I, I, I'll come by. Yeah, he and didn't said, know how okay. to process it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I just said goodbye. <laughs> Next Sunday, man. <laughs> he shows up and then he goes on stage <laughs> and starts talking. Dude, I'm telling you, like, you never knew what was going to happen. That's when church got exciting for me. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, now I understand church is meant to be a full contact sport, not a spectator sport. It is not yep. football. I am not supposed to watch it on TV, sit in the stands. I'm supposed to be involved. And that's where it became fun, man. Yeah. That's where it became fun. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's where I think evangelism is all about. You know, I, I mentioned this in Reaching the Unreached, Becoming a Raiders of a Lost Art. Cha-ching! <laughs> Um, I, I, you can I find all about it reaching the unreached book.com, but you know, nowhere more than refuge long beach. Cause I learn every church plant, but no more, no more than refuge long beach. Did I learn that it's all about activating people's gifts? Um, you know, and, and really seeing that on, on like amped up to 11 man with refuge and, and then going back to that point that people that aren't committed aren't excited, right? When you get people excited, when they're using their gifts, they get excited and you will find commitment wherever you let people use their gifts, they get excited. And so when I was on this um, call the other day, I just, you know, I, I asked him, you know, what someone says to you, I want to be a leader um, and comes to you and says, Hey, I want to be a leader. What do you do? And they all, they all really struggled with this question because to them, they're thinking preacher, pastor. And I told them, well, first off, man, like someone tells me they want to, they want to do what I do. I think they're nuts, but I'll invite them everywhere I'm going. Come with me to this conference. Come with me here. Mm -hmm. Do this with me. You know, um, people were, were so Robbie Boyd, first time he ever came to refuge Long Beach, he and Nancy show up and. I meet them and I invite them to our leaders meeting that was that afternoon. And they're uh, like, what? Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, w- why are you inviting us to like, they could not get over the fact that I told them there's nothing secret goes on here. Our whole church can come to a leaders meeting anytime they want. They'll have fun. We'll eat. We'll talk. We'll pray. You might we'll see strategize. an exorcism. What's that? You might see an exorcism. We did have an actual one day I invited a demon possessed person to our leaders meeting. Hey, but what better way to train your leadership team than to have a throwdown right there 
in in your leaders meeting. Well, you what, what I'm I, saying, what I still think is funny is the way that you tell the story is Charlie afterwards was like, was that what I think it was? <laughs> and you're like, yep. Yep. I'm so glad I don't go to your leaders meetings. <laughs> I'm glad no one was in the building. That's all I can say. Cause we, oh, we man. decided that day of all days to go meet in the mothership. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was a crazy, crazy one. But you know, it, it, when people get a lot, get awake, awoken, awakened, in their gift. This is part of my losing my memory thing. This is this is just happening. It's real. I'm old. Hey, hey, I understand. I got glasses. <laughs> Do you have concerns about that? Pete's got the glasses on again. When he takes them off, he goes, he starts to take them off and go, I have a few concerns though. Because I'm telling you, man, that's that's how you tell people, look, I'm smart and you need to listen to me. I think you should tell the story where you learned that tactic. <laughs> I didn't I? I thought I told it on last week's podcast. You didn't. Oh. You didn't. I'll save the smack talk for another time. <laughs> smack talk next time. Yeah. So anyways, um, so what to do? Um, I think sometimes the, the reality is that an old saying rejection is protection. Um, if somebody drops off of your team, cause let's face it, when, when they're your partner, that means they're going to eventually be most likely on your leadership team. And that person may have had a huge Achilles heel. If they're leaving now, they were going to leave later. How much better? So for me, I encourage people that, hey, that was a good thing. Even though it hurt, even though it sucked, it was a good thing. John Mark left later after they had really bonded. But John Mark had had enough, right? They had already gone to the Isle of Cyprus. They had already been in the lower regions of um, Turkey, and then by the time before they get up to Galatia, which is up in the uplands, and they pass through the Taurus Mountain Range, it's at the foot of the Taurus Mountain Range that Timothy go, or John Mark says, I got to go back home. They had already had malaria on the coast there. That's where Paul talks about you would have pulled your eyes out and given them to me if you were able. Um, because one of the, in the summer months in Turkey, southern Turkey along the coast, the mosquitoes are super bad. I know this because I went there. And they carry malaria. And so, you know, up from the north coast of Africa. So what what happened was uh, they all got really, really sick. And what awaited Paul in the Taurus Mountain Range, they're notorious for um, robbers and beatings and muggings and, and murder. And Paul's at this piece of that mountain going, well, guys, <laughs> we're going to take the gospel through these mountains, but we're probably going to get mugged and beaten within an inch of our life if we make it. And that that's just how it was. And John Mark says, no, I, I think, guys, I, I feel strangely led to go back to Antioch. And at that point, you know, Paul's like, he feels betrayed. You know, it was an emotional investment. So for me, the sooner the better, mm. right? Um, don't see it as a bad thing, particularly when, like I said, like with this guy, um, that I was talking to, you know, for him, even, even as early on as it is, because it's puzzling, but don't be puzzled. This is, this is something that Paul, the greatest church planner ever lived, went through this. Wesley went through this. All movements of the Holy Spirit, all of the church planning movements in the history. If you read the lives of these leaders, it happened to all of them. Their trusted partners either bailed, lost sight in the vision, um, got bored or found it was really hard and didn't have the, the, the moxie to see it through. And it's par for the course, church mm. planner. Don't be discouraged. And at that point, it's a good time to kind of redouble and go back and depend on God and pray and ask God, hey, God, is there somebody else? But rejection is protection. Just always see it. When someone says no or I don't want to go forward, it's okay. It's okay. It might hurt a little bit. It might, you know, wreck your fancy plans with your foosball friends, but God usually has something better for you. I dig it, man. I dig it. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough when yeah. you lose people, man. It is rough. And and especially when you're out there, you're putting everything on the line. And it's kind of like that scene in Braveheart where, uh, you know, that guy, he unhorses that guy in the helmet knocks off and it's, it's Robert the Bruce. Remember that scene? Yeah. That look that that you know Bray, William Wallace gets on his face like 
he just he just like drops his weapon in the gut. And, yeah. And rips his heart out. Just literally rips his heart out. And of course he comes back later with a morning star and beats a guy's head in in his sleep, but you can't do that. <laughs> but it it you know, we've all been there. We've all been in that place where we're just staggered backwards, like I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah. But you know, always in those times, man, it's always it's like Paul, you know, where Paul goes, At first, none came to my defense, all forsook me, all fled. Right? Jesus had that with his twelve. Paul had that when he when he went into custody. Um and and I love how Paul goes, but the Lord stood by me. Right? Those are the times where in in a weird way God draws near to you. And I I remember studying this and some of the scholars think when he says the Lord stood by me, that Paul Paul had two very powerful experiences where he physically saw Jesus. One was on the Damascus Road. Another one was when he had his vision of the third heaven, as he calls it, um, where he says whether it was real or or in the body, I don't know. He didn't know if it was a vision or he was actually transported. Um, but when you're talking like well, that, it's probably not a vision. I, you and know, here's the, the here's the reason why I think he said that because everyone who's had a near death experience, like one of my favorite books is Imagine Heaven, and we uh, interviewed that guy on the podcast, and he's you know interviewed like a thousand people who've had near death experiences. It is like most of them are so overwhelmed by what they see, what they experience, what they feel, what they think, what they know that it's just like the most real experience they've ever had. But at the same time, it's so different from our physical life that most of them are not able to explain it to other people. I imagine because I haven't had a near death experience. You have, you died for 20 minutes on the operating room table. Um, I imagine that it's it's such a weird experience that you're almost like, was it real? I don't even know how to like explain this, you know. And that's probably what Paul is going through when he calls it third heaven, because you know, like you've talked about, when he, you start reading that pack, uh, passage, he's not. At first, it starts out, I'm not talking about myself, and then he's like, and I'm kind of talking about myself here, you know, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so he, weird. He he was saying like, I got a little arrogant, you know, and then the Lord had to humble me. And uh turns out Babylon B says that the thorn in Paul's flesh that God used was last Christmas by Wham. I don't know if you guys saw that article on my Facebook wall. No. Uh scholars reveal that Paul's thorn in the flesh was Wham's last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that one where it shows Paul and it says, you know, that the Lord has given me a, a thorn in my flesh and it shows SpongeBob chained up next to him going, Hey Paul, what are you doing, Paul? I what are you thinking so about right now, Paul? That. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. great. But um, but but the reality is, is that point where he says, you know, but the Lord stood by me. I remember reading a scholar saying this may have been another appearance where Jesus was just physically. But then again, it may have been spiritually like the Lord just he just says the Lord is with me. I remember a buddy of mine who um, his son uh, committed suicide and he had to cut his son out of the tree. And he said, when I was there, I was cutting my my son down. And he said, and tears were just streaming down my face. He said, I was brokenhearted. Maybe he says, I was also flooded with so much peace. He goes, it was supernatural, flooded with all this peace. And he mm-hmm. goes, and, and it was like the Lord stood by me, that same kind of experience. And I would just say, you know, use this time, guys, where, you know, the arm of flesh has failed you. Um, to really draw near and to 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 find your utter and complete dependence back on God and to to draw near to Christ who you know was alone in his darkest hour you know when he said I need friends right now I need partners I need you to stay with me and pray and we we just covered that gosh a few weeks ago and um and and yet he 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 all he had was the Lord yeah you know but it says after or is it the angel came and, and ministered to him? You know, let the Lord be for you what that person wasn't. And I, I hope this is a prophetic word for, for somebody out there today, because I know it's very unique, but you know, this can happen at any stage in your church plant. Um, your partners can leave. People can let you down. People can bail on you. People can betray you. And it, it's always a good word. It's always a relevant word. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I think we probably need to uh, 
to take the next step here. And that would be, you know, one of the things that I always dislike when I'm in ministry. <laughs> All the times. <laughs> is when uh, my best friend leaves me and it was their responsibility to take care of the books, the IRS compliance, <laughs> payroll. <laughs> because you don't have air conditioning. And uh, and all of that type of stuff. I really hate it. I I mean, I really hate it <laughs> when they used to take care of like my online giving, and then they they send snide remarks to people that cost me more than they could ever imagine. <laughs> what would you suggest for someone like me who might find themselves in a position like that at some point in their life? Well, the first thing is I would definitely not sign up with MoGive if I were you. If you hate that. <laughs> I would definitely say go to PushPay or uh, Ministry Brands might be another one. But, um, yeah, anyways, uh, SimplifiedChurch.com, Pete, they would help you out. They would help you do your bookkeeping, meet all of your IRS compliance needs, give you end of year donor receipts. That's coming up. Who wants to do that? Who wants to total how much you know all three people in your church plant gave? No, I'm just teasing. But, honestly, you, you have to report that to the IRS. If you've never done that before, Simplified Church will do that. The sooner you get in there and do that, the better. So head on over to SimplifiedChurch.com and tell them that Peyton and Pete sent you. I love it, man. So, uh, hey, why don't you do our little sign-out? Well, what? That one? Yeah, that's the one. Oh. Uh, hey, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell back from the dead, reminding you if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. This is Pete Mitchell. This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.